Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Savvy Mama podcast. My name is Renee Burko. I'm a financial advisor and the founder at Money Mode and now this initiative, the Savvy Mama, which is all about making financial know-how more accessible, interesting and engaging. Each week I will bring you a new episode and we will tackle money from as many different angles as possible. We will cover off the practical side and the mindset side of things because both are equally important. Today we are joined by Sally Flower of Home Sanctuary. Sally is Australia's first trained Marie Kondo consultant and she recently side hustled her way out of corporate finance life to be fully fledged in her business. I've been a Marie Kondo fan for some time now and I've been delving into the philosophy. So that's why I'm really, really excited to talk to Sally because my philosophy and the way I approach finances is that it's really got to be a whole of life type of thing. And what I mean by that is it's really important to focus on what your values are, look at what the big picture is and to think about how you want to be consciously and intentionally living your life. That's then got to flow through to all aspects of your life. There are no doubt financial rewards by living more consciously and intentionally and only hanging on to or buying things that really spark joy. Not that momentary joy. We're talking value-connected, lasting and fulfilling joy. I'm really excited about bringing this together because my purpose is all about helping others see their purpose, divine their values and what is really important to them and then starting to put into place all those physical aspects that will bring that to life. Hello, Sally, and thank you for joining us on the Savvy Mama podcast today. Thank you for having me, Renee. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. It's very exciting for me to to have you on the show. As I mentioned in the intro, you are Australia's first KonMari consultant. And for those who aren't familiar with KonMari, she has a very bold statement that she is changing lives through the magic of tidying. So your philosophy at Home Sanctuary extends to really conscious living. So I'm keen today to really deep dive into those philosophies and focus on how adopting these can also heavily and positively impact our financial well-being for the better. Because surely if we're living more consciously and intentionally with what we do on a daily basis – then that must translate through to our wallet. So it is really exciting to have you with us. So to get into it, let's firstly talk through your story a little bit. And I find this really, really inspiring because what you've done is you've gone and followed an interest and a passion. You've fallen in love with it. You've turned it into a side hustle and you've gradually pulled back from a really safe corporate life to follow your passion. So do you just want to talk us through your story and how you've ended up where you are? It is a great story and I don't really know how it became mine. I feel really blessed that my side hustle has become what it is today. I have eight years of corporate finance experience. I'm 100% finance. That's my love and my passion. Economics is what I want to do. But I did find that the actual, the lifestyle of it wasn't working for me and I've just Mm. been lucky enough to kind of convert what I do to be my full-time day job. So I kind of got into the Conmari world because I was I moved to New York City in my late twenties and, and I did it predominantly because I wanted to work on Wall Street. I wanted to work in capital markets and that was definitely an area that isn't very big in Australia and you have to move to Sydney really if you want to get really big into it. So I 
worked my ass off and got a job. And working in finance in New York is kind of similar to how you see it on the movies. It's kind of fast-paced, it's, it's stressful, and it disconnects you a lot from the real world. My way of combating that had always been to use order in my life to kind of get everything kind of on track and feel okay. Yeah. And I used my home space and yoga was always a place that kind of grounded me and connected me and balanced me out from that mm. corporate environment. And Marie's book was already out at this stage, but I hadn't read it because she couldn't get it in Australia. Right. Okay. So when I moved to the States, I got a copy and I started reading and I instantly loved it. It was a beautiful book. And I thought, well, this consulting thing that Marie talks about is pretty interesting. I wonder if it's a legit thing. And I Googled her and she was going to be in New York City in a few weeks' time. Wow. her very first training in English. She had about 100 consultants in Japan at that time, but she had no one in English. I mean, I've watched her little Netflix series and her English isn't amazing, is it? No, so she's had a English coach for a long time, but it's just not something she's adapted. So our training isn't with Marie either. Training is with her consultants. Okay, yep, And they all speak in Japanese. So you're actually there in the room for two days having everything translated from Japanese to English. So I was lucky enough to be in the first group. And the biggest takeaway that I got from that, all of these ideas and connections I'd had to my home and my space and loving the things that I had around me and using them as a way to combat this fast-paced life was validated. Because for such a long time, I had been telling myself that especially a woman in New York City in her 20s shouldn't be worrying about her space. She should just be loving life. Mm. And for me, this was kind of a pivotal moment where I thought this actually is more than just folding clothes. This is actually helping me feel better about myself and enabling me to lead the life I want to live. I think my first foray and probably most people's first foray into the Marie Kondo world is folding clothes and how to neatly fold clothes and get your drawers mm-hmm. organised. And that was, you know, certainly my first impression. For those listening who are not full Marie Kondo converts yet, can you just give us a bit of an overview on what the hype's all about and bring everyone up to speed? Her philosophy is a lot more than just neatly folding clothes. Yeah, definitely. The philosophy of Marie Kondo method is it really a way of creating calm in your home through physical objects, but using an internal motive. The internal motive being how I connect to these objects and then by removing them, using a internal feeling of how you connect with it actually makes you realign and reassess everything that you have in your space and ultimately your drivers, your goals and how you want to be living your life. Yeah, because it is a lot deeper than just the actual physical that you've got isn't it and that's what makes home sanctuary more than just an organizing service Mm. because what I do is I help people create calm and conscious homes that are aligned with the family's values that have a limited sustainability impact for long term but I often get people calling and saying I've had a few people organizers like you come in and I just need your help and I think to myself well if you had me in you wouldn't need me again Because Mm. when you do your KonMari process or when you do your home sanctuary process, you do it once. 
And I find that really interesting because I've read that in her book as well. It's like you're not forever tidying. You do it once yeah. and that's all. Yeah. I was like, really? That sounds magical like to me. Forever. Yeah. But a really easy way to get over that thought process is to define it. There are two different types of tidying. So your first type of tidying is what we kind of call like a tidy festival or like a full home sanctuary organised, which is where you go through everything in your home and you address to make sure it is working for your current stage in life, it's adding value to your home, and if it's not, you discard it. And everything left, you give a home. Mm. And then you may bring occasional things into the house and you may need to give them a new home. That's one type of tidying. Second type of tidying is your daily tidying. You're every day picking something up, putting it back in its home. That is daily tidying. That is not your all-over home declutter. And one of the great things about the doing the once-off whole home declutter means that once everything has a home, the daily declutter is quick. One of the big change for me was I used to get really stressed when people came over to stay in my house mm-hmm. because I'm like sure like many people listening, those who are keen on tidying or having control in your home, it's often used as a space of safety. If you can control your space, it's a substitute for controlling your internal emotions essentially. Mm-hmm. So by controlling where the things are in your home, you tend to feel in control. What I love about my home now is I don't care if it gets messy. I don't care if I'm busy for like, you know, a few days because I can get it back in order within 15 minutes. Does that mean that you're living very minimally then? Like you're living with very minimal possessions? I have less possessions than I've ever had in my whole life. But it's mainly due to the fact that everything has a home and I know where everything goes. So the sparking joy, some people will have a little bit of a giggle about that and say, you know, I'll pull something out of the cupboard and I'll touch it and does it spark joy? But, you know, it's a little bit deeper than that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So sparking joy really means is something adding value to your life or how does the outcome of keeping or not keeping an item impact you as an individual? So everyone's view of what, how impacting positively or negatively impacts them it's a set of unique circumstances aligned to that individual. So something that you, which I'm sure we've been in our household, <laughs> something that we find that sparks us joy may not spark joy for our partners. Now, yeah. why is that? It's purely because they have a different set of values and a different set of what makes them happy because they are their own individual person. So because we can do that, it means that when we start making decisions about what we own and how we want to live our lives based on our own values and what makes us feel good, it really starts to open this doorway to living a life based on joy, based on pure happiness, on how the outputs and inputs of your life make you feel. So in your experience when you've gone into people's homes and you've worked with them, you you often come in and they're on the premise of, oh, can you just come and tidy my house? Can you just come and get it in order? And what sort of process do you take them through or the journey that they go on and what are the discovery moments, I guess, that you've experienced with people that you've worked with? It's definitely a process where I'm assisting them. So I'm there as their coach and their crutch to lean on if things get a bit hard, but we do the whole process together. Unlike a cleaning service where someone goes in and cleans your space, consulting with me or with Home Sanctuary is that we first of all work out how you want your home to feel together what functions for them, what are they struggling with, what's the most important parts of their home that they need to work for them and where they want to add value that they don't think they're getting it right now. 
And when people come to me, they often haven't asked themselves these questions. So before I can do any kind of consulting on how they want their home to feel, we first of all need to work out what that space looks like for them. And then we have a quick, you know, walk around the home, see what it looks like, positives and negatives and what we need to work on. And all through this process, because I've done it so many times now, just for that feeling of walking with someone around their home, I can get a pretty good indication of, <laughs> of why we're having struggling in a particular area or what they need to work on as a family or what's important. And then we go through the process of getting out what's not working for them. Say, for example, in the case of a wardrobe, we get everything out and then we declutter it together. And it can be very mentally draining having to make so many decisions because we only have a limited amount of decisions we can make in one day. So forcing our brains to make so many decisions in a small period of time, if you're not trained to do that, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Mm. And so my job is really to keep them on track, to motivate them to keep going, yeah. um, and also to offer that expert advice in the complex problem areas as well. If being ordered is not your natural state, if that's just not a good strength of yours, you know, if, if I use myself as an example, I manage to pile things back up pretty quickly. And yeah. I've got two young children, so around the house, and I think, you know, we seem to collect all these toys and I'm constantly trying to get rid of things. I mean, what would your advice be to somebody that's not naturally an orderly person? So it's, it's a learnt skill, I think. And part of the biggest skill is working out where things belong, how that logically makes sense in your brain. And if you haven't actually got that systematic thought process there yet, what does that look like? I do think that it's a learnt skill. It's kind of like when you're learning a language yeah. where the verbs and the nouns go. I do think that it's definitely about working out what it looks like for you. Mm. But I would also call out that being orderly can be a poor substitute for happiness. Yeah, okay. So yeah. coming back to this thought process that what I do is it just helping your home get in order. My process is helping you create a home that works for you to enable you to do things that make the best outcome for you and your family. And that may be for some clients that I actually teach them to not worry about the paperwork on the floor. So if your most important thing is to get your kids through school and to be able to enjoy some downtime to further your career, but we're focusing on the backyard, that's not really important. You told me the most important thing is for your kids' education and your education, let's focus on that. Mm. So it's really about getting those goals in alignment and really assessing where the energy is correctly put in the order within your home and the order within your time as well. You know, I get so excited when we chat because I feel like, you know, my philosophy and when I work with clients on financial matters, it all starts with the exact same thing. It's looking at your mm. values how you want to live your life, what it is that you want to get out of your life and then working out goals and that sort of thing from there. And what I also find when I work with people is the problem that they first come to you with or the solution that they think they want often turns out to be slightly different, sometimes completely different to what they come to see you about because whatever it is we get caught up in we think we need to live our life a certain way and do things yeah. a certain way and that as we go through, if we actually strip it back and focus on what's really important to us, it's a whole of life type situation, isn't it? Most definitely. And I think that's also how we've got into this position as well as a collective community because in terms of consumption and purchasing, we 
are in an advertising arena Yes. in terms of the information that we are being given on a daily basis. And yeah. we have to make a conscious effort to remove ourselves from that information. We are being sold that the only way to feel happy is to get in order. Yeah. Then we'll naturally feel that I have to be in order to be happy. But that's actually probably not true. We need to work out what it is. And the reason that we have so much stuff in our lives mm. is because of this constant focus on having things to make us feel better and solutions to fix how I'm feeling right now, which is what we talk about in Home Sanctuary is that's not the case. Yeah, what you're doing is amazing and um, I love your business model and the things that you're focusing on because it's really, really important and particularly yeah, with the way that you know the environmental impact is headed and, and all of that and it is a, yeah, a whole of life way of looking at things, isn't it? Mm, exactly. So Sally, with my financial advisor cap on, you know, I've sort of been going through and thinking of a few things where I can see on the practical side, a bit of a short list of a practical side of things that people can do taking on some of these decluttering principles to aid their finances. So I'm thinking things like the fact of being more organised in general. So that would relate to people being less likely to spend unnecessarily. Yeah, that's also one of the key reasons that we fold standing up so that we can see what we have, know what we have and use what we have. And once you know what you have, you don't need to buy more generally. That was definitely going to help in the financial realm too. Do you deep dive into being more organised with people's actual paperwork or do you just sort of give them guidance on what to actually sort through? No, definitely. Because I also have financial background. Paperwork is probably the hardest area to declutter because Mm. it's tiresome and boring and most people don't want to do it. So yeah, it's something that I definitely do with clients. I get my shredder out and we just have to make a day of it. (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like, you know, in the line of work that I do, getting people organised around their paperwork just takes a lot of the stress out of the way because you pile up all this stuff that comes in, whether it's bills or whatever it may be, and being able to be more organised and and have more systems and things around that is really, really important. I would have to say with paper organising, it's probably the biggest problem area for most of my clients. Mm. A lot of them avoid it. Yep. Because it's not the sexy part. Yeah, an organised bills cupboard's not really Instagram worthy, is it? <laughs> but an organised pantry may well no. be. And it is certainly, you know, a whole mission behind this podcast series is to try and come at finances from a different angle and make it more interesting and enticing to want to deal with it because it is a barrier for a lot of people. One of the things when I went through my decluttering process was I put a lot of things on Facebook Marketplace and got a real kick out of it. I had my charity pile and then I had a pile that I could make money from and I got a bit addicted to it because I was putting things up and selling them and then I was going around the house and thinking what else can I sell um, (laughs) to make a bit of extra money but there's certainly a way to make some money if you can go through the process and learning what you can do without. Yeah there's a whole business model in that there's a few girls in Melbourne whose business model is to declutter and sell your stuff. If you can do that on your own it's definitely a great way to make cash and it also assists with the recycling. I sort of want to take a lot of these philosophies, you know, sort of after this chat and, you know, look at ways that people can declutter their spending because I think what you're spending money on, if you can apply that sparking joy philosophy to what you are spending, which is really essential. I mean, if you're going to go through all your possessions and go through that process, then you need to be applying that to 
what you're purchasing in the future, right? Definitely, yeah. So I guess, you know, to close out, looking at the power and the magic of the mindset shifts that can, I guess, have a much deeper impact and looking through Marie Kondo's book and I think you know she really focused on the magic part of it being that you get the clarity on you know who you are and what's really important that you're more conscious and intentional with your spending it hones your decision making skills and that you have a greater sense of clarity with where you're headed and as you touched on before talking about you know the values and goals. Yeah I think that the clarity and honing in on decision making skills is something that the Kamara method definitely helps and it's kind of like you're creating this muscle that enables you to be able to be more accurate at making decisions and owning them. And one of the things I will often say to my clients is the worst place for a possession to be is on the fence. It either needs to be one way or the other. I force them to make a decision. I think that it can really assist with that. And it can also help with the breaking down of a complex problem. So finance is obviously a very complex problem. And if you can break it down into bite-sized chunks that are then achievable and attainable, which is what we do when we're doing a, a whole home declutter, the same principles can apply when you're going through a spending budget or a savings budget. So Sally, if we could just go back and touch on at the start, we talked about when you first did your training in New York. How has that journey taken place from you working on Wall Street to now being full-time immersed in your business home sanctuary? When I came home from America, I started to talk about the Comari method and post a little bit on social media and it got really quick traction like people asked me questions oh my gosh you got to meet Marie oh my gosh I love that book and this was before the Netflix series this is before she was even as big as she is now and what it quickly made me realize was that people have been craving some kind of direction to know what to do with the amount of stuff that's around them. Because so long we have been told that by purchasing this stuff, it's going to make us feel better. And then when it doesn't, what do we do with it? And so this constant kind of guilt of the amount of stuff that we have, what can I do? People have been crying out for a a logical way to kind of get rid of it and feel okay with it and how to move forward. Mm. And so it just kind of snowballed, to be honest. More and more people talked about it. The Netflix series came out. I was lucky enough to get some good media interviews and some TV and radio coverage. And then, like all side hustlers, uh, you know, the before work and the after work and the weekend work, like there was no break. I had no social life for a probably 18-month period. And it then got to a point where I thought I'd rationalise with myself that I could go down to four days a week. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that this word rationalising, I was thinking before we talked today, because I had tried to make it a financial incentive that I had to earn this certain amount of money with my Mm. side hustle to allow myself to then take a day off. But it doesn't really work like that because when you make a transition to doing a side hustle from a corporate job, it's much more than about the money. Mm. It's really about the change in lifestyle and the driving towards something that makes you feel really good and really aligns to your values. Oh, you're speaking my language. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was really scary, especially because all of my work up to that point had been to build this financial career and then I was going to throw it all away to fold clothes. Mm. I mean, it felt insane. Did people tell you you were crazy? I think my parents for a long time were like, well, I hope she gets over this. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the biggest part, and lucky for me, my partner was super supportive and he saw that it was beyond the folding clothes. I don't want to be a professional organiser. 
And when I did quit corporate finance, I had a full-blown breakdown about being identified as Mm -hmm. a professional organiser. So it was really hard transition for me to kind of move from corporate. But I've now been doing it full-time for about eight months. And every month it just gets better and better and better. It is a really inspiring story and I'm really glad you shared it because I come across that a lot. I think we're programmed, especially if you are, you know, earning money and, you know, you have a safe and secure job, to step away from that. It's not the favourably done thing out there, but it is this whole, you know, in the talking about the topic of living your life on purpose and to your values and being brave enough to take that step to follow what truly lights you up and actually make a mm. career out of it at the same time. It's a really fine line between still having a sustainable business that can support your life and just doing something that makes you feel good. So Sally, where to next with Home Sanctuary? And for our listeners, where can they find you and learn more about? I'll obviously share in our show notes the links to your website and your social media pages, which are beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you. So you can find me on Instagram at Home Sanct and same on Facebook. And I have my website is homesanctuary.com.au and I have big dreams for where Home Sanctuary will go and for me as a consultant. I'm currently completing my Masters of Environment and Sustainability at Melbourne University. From there, I'm hoping to grow my business for my keynote speaking and my workshops and what I'm helping people align their values and really move that into the next level, which is supporting us as a community move into a sustainable living space. Because what I feel is missing at the moment when we talk about sustainable homes is that we've got a lot of amazing discussion around passive homes, around urban design, about eco-culture, which is great because we really do need to reassess the way we're living. The way that my children will live is going to be far, far different from the way that I am living, especially if we don't change our existing resource practices because global warming will just really kind of take hold and we won't be able to enjoy this environment we've created for ourselves. If we take, for example, Melbourne, like we're going to have 8.3 million people here by 2050, which is the same size as New York City. And that's in 30 years' time. That's really not that far away. That is not including sea level rise, not including changes in rural areas where we've become unable to leave because they have to move into other areas where they're still getting rainfall. This is just on a small trajectory. This isn't even even looking at um, other parts about population growth and et cetera. So the Australian dream has to change. Mm. We can't continue to think that the ultimate way of living is in a three-bedroom home in the backyard. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. I also feel as that for a long time we've been thinking about the way for me to live sustainably and mindfully is to buy a three-acre property in Byron Bay and grow tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, like that so often comes through in our social media and it so often comes through in the way that that's how we can live. You know, We have to be living on the land. But that is not possible and not feasible for so many of us. Mm. And in 30 years' time, it's non-existent in some aspects. So what I really want to help with is kind of move that collective conscious and that collective thought about the way that we're living in harmony with our environment and our urban environment, and both mentally and socially, because we need to re-evaluate and readjust the way that we're living in order for us to continue along this path of happy, safe living in an environment together. Well, it sounds really exciting and I'll be watching you closely and 
you know, you've got a great philosophy and mindset of your own and your business model is fabulous. So I think, you know, you're going to do really, really well in that space and, and it's Thanks much so needed, much. much needed. So, look, I just want to really thank you for your time today. I hope at some stage in the future we might be able to do something else together. It would be really exciting to, you know. Yeah, it would be fun. Yeah, it would be really fun. Sally, thank you again for your time. Really appreciate having you on the show and talk to you soon. Thanks, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. 